we don't, oh, we're not oh, we're, oh. we're not going to do this as an intro we are changing we are going straight to the award show today oh, wow. because uh apparently donatas won the our uh pre-season uh predictions we have this i didn't see that coming aboard i think right yeah and uh, donatas winning this bet would uh, probably qualify for this <laughs> wow and i i remember that we had some prizes for for this game right because oh i remember my God. Why that, did oh I? august was saying like <laughs> oh i'm going to get yanulis laranzakis uh, t-shirt then yeah, yeah, was yeah. also uh, saying some some bullshit about winning something what no, about no. having a haircut or whatever no i think uh the, the bet was the jersey the jersey okay yeah, yeah, yeah cool who wins gets the jersey okay and now i'm um you know, I don't know why I brought this up uh, 10 minutes before. Like, I remembered we had this, uh, we had these predictions. And I said, it would be cool to uh, to look at them today. And uh, apparently, Donatas got three of the five uh, questions right. And the, uh, we still don't know the who The guy has. with the best knowledge in the pod, probably. And, right? uh, or just the most luck, you know. Okay. Who okay. had the most technicals as a coach? Not, not that it changes anything, but... Um, mm. Trinchieri definitely didn't have the most technicals, right? Mm, and neither Shotters did. Probably not. Trying to check. I know that Darius Garwales was always counting counting this, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter anyway. You got three of them right. Uh, you got Partizan, uh, more than seventeen and a half wins. You were right about that. Uh, mm -hmm. So. You know, partisan fans, give some love for Donatas in the comment That's section why I'm down below. Black today. <laughs> White and black. Uh, you and Ritis were right about uh, no team having 25 win season. Although I was so, was so close. close. Come on, Olympia cost now. Yeah, I was sure that they for at sure least dropped some some. They dropped the games. the game two weeks ago, not the last one, but yeah. uh, against Cervena Zvezda. Oh, come on, now. the rest are their Euroleague Championship material, so. Yeah, according to <laughs> Mr. Dushko Ivanovich. Uh, and uh, you were right, you and me were right that uh, five teams are not going to fire coaches. I think that was a bit maybe too much. We we had uh, 4.5 eh, teams coaches fired. average of the previous of last years. Yeah. Could be, could be. So, so we had only three head coaches that were fired. Uh, Zvezda, Panathinaikos. Two? Wow. I think two. That should be all-time... Record, low. yeah, all time low in Could the be. modern Euroleague era. Could be. Wow. Ritis was optimistic about five yeah. coaches being fired, but I was, you know, I think maybe we mentioned maybe picks? they mentioned during during the season that you know the patience of Euroleague uh, owners mm -hmm. are growing. You know, yeah. let's say in in this season at least, you know. Also, I think it was also related to the status of some head coaches because it's not like you're uh, firing Ettore Messina during the season. The same goes with Sergio Scariolo, some some other head coaches. So, uh, and a lot and a lot of coaches have this, uh, you know, big 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 names. You know, a lot of teams have these big mm -hmm. name coaches who you can't really. Uh, it would be strange if you fire them. Yeah. During uh, the season. So. One of those bets was the coach of the most technical fouls, right? Yeah. What were our picks? Ritis and uh, me had uh, Jeskiewicz and you had Andrea Trinkieri. Why had Andrea Trinkieri? He's such a good guy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I see <laughs> some data from March 27. It's like a couple rounds 
before the end of the regular season, I think, and Max Vitas was on the top of the list with eight. Penaroya was those rookie coaches are mad. They're crazy. Or they're or they don't get the respect from the referees. Maybe that's how Could we be. should uh, describe maybe, it. Maybe maybe a combination of both. <laughs> mm. I think one of my predictions was that Ataman won't be rejected, but it was of one of those that didn't count uh, in our mm. game. And Ataman, I think he was ejected. And of course he was ejected. In... No, I don't remember the match game he was ejected. But he was ejected for sure. Anyways. I mean, he walked out in the last game before the, whatever it doesn't count he yeah. wasn't ejected it was his his decision uh let's go with the awards so yeah and the other one was the um, uh, best scorer and who 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 did you have uh i have uh vasa misic uh Ritis had mike james obviously mm -hmm. and you had scotty wilbekin so this should be a penalty of like two points at no. least so you're not <laughs> no, no. But anyway, Ritis was the closest one. Mike James averaged slightly more, I think 0.3 points per game than, than Vasa Mitic did. So uh, even if he would get that point, he's still not close still, to you. Know? He would have two. Okay, and I have three. Yeah. That's solid. That's over 50%. Without the penalty That's for Scotty Wilbekin. That's a playoff level. By the way, I was very close to my prediction. These were bold predictions, I think. Yeah, so that was not easy to to make with those one. Uh, but I said that Mike James will have the least scoring season in like many many years, and mm. he was very close. Uh, I will just uh, have his profile here. So he was averaging sixteen point three points this year. That's the lowest in five years, and. Uh, close to being the lowest in six years so that's that's what I, I was thinking of although i thought that he will be more efficient but he was vice versa actually mm -hmm. making only 46 percent of two pointers and 29 of three pointers both of his lows in five years yeah that's good that you know we will have a a, a award coming the biggest i didn't uh -huh. see that coming you know where we could talk about our bad takes or just yeah, where we but, did but not let's get back apology. shortly for those prizes so yeah. we agreed that we will get jersey yeah right okay you can ask me what jersey you would like to get no <laughs> i think we, we could just go back just uh, skip that part right just skip that part no <laughs> you won't put that in the intro <laughs> i said i i wanted lorenzaki's jersey when we were making this i mean you know i didn't you i, didn't I see think that you coming. said you said some some kind of name i think or maybe you did not i didn't have, have i don't have my favorite but player. uh which jersey do you want Donatus? so that's a good question you know i i i was just enjoying my journey I, I wasn't thinking about the end goal of that journey so i didn't think about the prizes you know because i, I enjoyed the process the most but if you ask me uh, i don't know can i choose nba jersey as well or no, just your league? league okay okay we'll see we'll see i have some time to decide you know it's it's not an easy just choice like to with make. your all your league team <laughs> oh yeah your all your league team was i mean we did those yearly regular season awards because that's how it should be playoffs shouldn't shouldn't count at all so that's that's the lesson for the yearly stop counting the playoffs just make it regular season awards and make the additional awards for the final four for final playoff oh, whatever yeah. postseason postseason awards yeah exactly so i thought that is going to be fun 
you know, just mm. just to appreciate the greatness, to, to to share some awards, you know, to recognize some players or some interesting angles of the season. It wasn't fun at all. <laughs> we we kind of had to postpone the start of this pod for more than one hour because I at least me I, I was basically picking between two or three guys to put them in the all year first or the second team and i kind of made the last minute decision last second it was a <laughs> literally a buzzer beater it seemed like you made like not one last minute change or decision you were just <laughs> yeah i was going back and forth with my last last uh, seconds uh, situation so okay but before we have to you know talk about the mvp and i think yeah it's there will be plenty of awards but we will start from traditional awards and that's the mo easiest award the mvp the most valuable so. player of the season is we'll we'll do it together one two three sasha vezenkov i mean this one's too easy i mean mm. it was obvious boring boring award that's why we probably the most boring award that we will yeah. put in uh, during the pod uh probably the most boring mvp race in quite a while in the in the last years but um, yeah but we, just because mazenkov made it boring because if you exclude him the race is just no, wild. if you exclude him i still there would be like an nba play, uh, mvp race this season mm -hmm. where you have three uh solid choices you know you could argue that each of those yeah. three uh, are right and uh, uh you know we could have a discussion here you would say one name i would say the other name and we both would agree you know that yeah you know you could see that but uh with vezenkov and with olympiakos showing the probably probably not probably the most stable and consistent basketball throughout the season sasha vezenkov is the mvp and i remember we were sitting at this table before the season and uh, we were saying, oh, we don't, we don't really think, we don't really expect Sasha Vizenkov to be the MVP. But in order for him to do so, he would have to average, I think, between 18 and 20 points uh, with solid percentages, with some rebounds, you know. And he did that from the first game. He had some, you know, he had a little stretch of two or three games where he, you know, was below average. But in 34 games, that's like 30 games where he is the best player on the court, uh, doing it in his own unique way. I think that also uh, made the MVP race uh, much more boring because he plays in such an unorthodox way that it was special to see for the for the fans, even not only for Olympiakos fans, but for you know for a neutral fan. His play style is 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 fun to watch, and it's something new we don't really see nowadays that a lot. So. Sasha Vizhenkov is the MVP and nobody even came came close to him this season. Yeah, I mean, he was... Uh, just give me a second. We, we should provide some stats of an incredible season. He was, was the only guy who averaged more than 20 uh, efficiency performance index uh, rating per game. Although we hate the stat, but that kind of combines uh, all the things that he brings on the floor, including 17.6 points per game, the top scorer of the EuroLeague season, seven rebounds uh, per game, the second best uh, record in the EuroLeague this year, 1.9 uh, assists, tremendous shooting, 66 two-point shooting and 40% three-point shooting. Uh, 
just amazing season by by Sasha Vazenkov, one of the historical seasons uh, efficiency wise. And there's nothing to add. We should just move forward. That's that's it. I think so. The the, the only thing that I think did we even include him in the conversation before the season? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah. had kind of because he had a great season last year as mm -hmm. well. And uh, that's true. He was an all he, Euroleague member. He was an all Euroleague team member, and he had you know the advanced stats. Uh, of him were amazing last year. He had an amazing true shooting percentage. He had an amazing offensive and defensive ratings uh, when he was on the court. Uh, his win share because of those ratings were extremely high. And we were saying, you know, probably all Olympicos are, are going to be high in the standings, but does he have enough to surpass James, Mitzic, Clyburn, yeah. and those, those type of guys? Because those guys are going to average 16 to 18 points. What does Vizankov have? And they are, you know, ISO players. So we are, we tend to uh, value them more because of what they can do in the fourth quarter. And exactly. Vizankov is not known exactly, you know, to creating, not was not known before to doing so. Mm. So we were like saying, okay, so he has to score more than those guys. He has to keep the high shooting percentages and Olympiacos have to be good. And all three of those things happened and he did it, you know, basically not dribbling the basketball a lot. Yeah. So amazing season for Sasha. He was the most dominant off-ball player that can that can you think of. And I remember that, of course, his numbers decreased a little bit. He was even more efficient in the first part of the season. Uh, and what, what was interesting, I remember that at one point of the season, maybe it was a mid-season, he was averaging like 17 or 18 uh, first three quarters points and in the fourth quarter he was just averaging like two points per game or something like that but i mean the, the games were uh, the, decided already by then the scoring scoring volume the the high scoring of the first three uh, quarters the first 30 minutes of the game was was probably historical i don't remember mm. i cannot recall anybody else who was putting uh, numbers like that his his okay. numbers even now they're impressive i mean 14 points eight points per first three quarters uh for instance uh, with bolvin is second with 12 and 12.8, so it's just ridiculous season that Sasha Vazenkov had. Uh, we should go forward with all EuroLeague all teams. teams. So we won't try to cheat the system. We'll have two guards, two forwards, and one center for both lineups. And we will start from the first team, right? Yeah. Who are your guards, Augustas? My uh, first, my point guard uh, is Lorenzo Brown. I mean, after winning the Eurobasket MVP, I think he deserves the number one spot here. He was leading the league in, in points created. Uh, Maccabi got the fifth seed, got the ho best home record in the league. He was averaging like 16 and six, something like that uh, from the field and the whole offense basically, you know, was on in his hands and, and Wade Baldwin's. And to me, uh, I valued, valued his individual performance plus the results that Maccabi had. So I had Lorenzo Brown and my second pick, which is probably... Be, be, before you continue. Do, do you agree? Before you continue, I just want to agree with your pick, just to add some, some more stuff about okay. Lorenzo Brown, just to put more arguments why he's he, he deserves Do you this have position. him already? Yeah, I have okay. him as, as my Top. point guard of the first team. 
to be more particular with stats, uh, 16.5 points per game, which is fifth best in the year league, 3.1 rebounds per game, 5.7 assists, fifth best uh, in the year league, 16.7 efficiency rating, ninth best uh, record in the year league. Uh, in points, and uh, in points created through scoring and points scored from his assists, he actually leads the year league with 29.5 points uh, created uh, per game. He, he generates almost 30 points. That's something incredible. And uh, the thing with Lorenzo Brown is this. I mean, I had in my initial list of potential guards for both of the, uh, these teams, I think I had like seven, eight or nine names. And in the mix of those names in this race, Lorenzo Brown also excludes himself uh, in, in, in a way that I think he's the best defensive player uh, among the guards who just not great at scoring, assisting, but at the same time, he's more, the most all around player uh, on your team. He's also clutch. Uh, he led Maccabi team, which was, okay, borderline top uh, eight team, but nobody was uh, sure about this team, especially when they signed uh, Wade Baldwin. There were a lot of question marks. It's not like uh, it was tough for luck before the season. Uh, and the leadership of Lorenzo Brown, uh, his ability to uh, find chemistry both on and off the court with Wade Baldwin, uh, and also just not, forgot the f uh, not forget the fact that he, he was a point guard of the team with as Wade Baldwin said, twelve new players, new head, yeah. uh, new head coach, uh, a lot of a lot of things to put uh, together, uh, and he managed to do it. So, for me, he's he's the the best best point guard in the competition. I agree. Uh, I'm more curious about your shooting guard. Uh, let's say this we, will we, be. We don't need to split them. I mean, it's not. We can actually put both point guards because it's it's guards it's not yeah a position by position but i, I went i went you know more, traditional more position by position yeah, okay i have my two guard as a shooting guard mm -hmm. kevin punt mm. first team okay and to me because of his efficiency because yeah. in the second part of the season he was unstoppable he finished the season with uh 15 points, 15 and a half points, 2.4 assists, one steal per game. You know, in 27 minutes, 27 and a half minutes, he's made only 1.2 turnovers per game, having the ball as much as he has in, in that offense. And, you know, playing as much ISO basketball. And he finished the season in, a, in that prestigious 50, 40 and 90 club. You know, from two-point range, 50%, three-point range, 42%. And if we're probably going to, would, would count, uh, you know, only the second half of the season, his three-point rate would be even crazier because he had a five or six-game stretch, I think, in January where he was shooting 63% in the last five or six games. I think it was January. And uh, it was a tough choice, you know, for me, but uh, Partizan got the sixth seed. And uh, and punter was, you know, the most probably the most important player on their offense. So I went with him, uh, and uh, you know, you just need you can just remember what he did in Milano as well when he played there. So I have him as my shooting guard on the first team, and I believe you are not 
taking you're not agreeing with me on this one uh did you go maccabi both maccabi guys no. in the first team no um i would say this i love your pick uh i love your pick because i have him in my second team okay and i was really he wasn't in, in in the mix of maybe he was yeah he is actually my second choice for this position obvious but i mean uh i respect him a lot but i just i just wanted to bring up one player who i think i i really think that they are quite equal in terms of efficiency of what they provide how great of scorers they are uh and they're actually very close in all the statistical departments and i'm quite sure that i'm talking about the player who is in 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 scoring average yeah he's completely next to kevin punter and he's just 0.03 points he's averaging just 0.03 points <laughs> less than kevin punter and this guy is named john musa and okay i just wanted to bring not just wanted to bring Janan Musa to my first Euroleague team just just because of his scoring. I mean, his numbers are 15.5 points per game, 2.9 rebounds, rebounds per game, 2.6 assists per game, 16.7 efficiency per game, which is 10th best in the Euroleague. But there are a lot of great things about this player because we're talking about the guy who, who never stood out in the Euroleague. His previous experiences with Cedevita, Seven years ago, he was averaging like seven minutes. Uh, last year, two, two years ago, he tried to play for FS. He didn't get any opportunities. And last year, he played for Breogán team, which was just promoted to the uh, first Spanish division division and didn't make even make the playoffs. And when Real Madrid signed the MVP of the ACB season, uh, it looked like a, I would say, long-term project of, you know, taking the flag from Sergio Yui, from, from Rudy Fernandez, becoming that next guy on the backcourt uh, in, in, in many years. But the thing is that the only guy, I mean, just to put an example how, it, how hard it is to score 15.5 points per game in Real Madrid, I will say this, that the last guy who averaged more points per game in this team was Luka Doncic. He was averaging 16 points wow. in his MVP season. Just because wow. there's so much talent, there are so many guys who can score, and at the same time, uh, these guys they're not getting uh, they're not getting big minutes. They're not uh, getting like 32 minutes and like uh, some of these guys in FS or Matias Lazort in, in Partizan. They have very limited chance to show their skills, and Janan Musa just took uh, the best of this uh, opportunity, uh, and. Um, just just to add about his efficiency just like kevin punter that's the thing why they're so equal he's also super efficient uh he was making almost 60 point uh, 60 percent of two pointers uh 39 percent of three pointers 86 percent of uh, free throws and what i also liked i this race of guards for both teams was so uh, so mean so wild so close that i even went like head to heads uh, i try to check stats of these players uh, of how many points they scored against top eight teams for instance let's say against the elite level because some guys can increase their stats playing about uh playing against the bottom yeah. teams the problem was that i probably spent 
at least 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes uh, for this additional <laughs> research. The problem is that I didn't get much answers from that because these guys, they still remain so close. Like I have Mitic, uh, Lorenzo Brown, Wade Bolden, Mike James, and Kevin Punter. Um, five guys who were averaging against top eight teams who were averaging from 14.3 uh, points to 15.6 points. I mean, 1.3 uh the mm. gap the biggest gap was be between the top score and the lo lowest scoring score but janan musa against the top eight teams he was averaging 16.9 points per game the most of this list that i had uh, for for both teams from from backcourt so i think that this this whole combination of facts the level he brings on the court uh and not, let's not forget the fact that Real Madrid uh, was the third best team in the EuroLeague uh, this regular season. I think that Musa deserves recognition. So I put him in my first team. That's the best intro for my next pick because I also have Janan Musa. Okay. But I, I had him in a third in a, a small forward position. Wow. So maybe that's why you had such a hard time and I was like, yeah, wow. that's that's okay, you know. But so that's you... thank you, Donatas. That's a great intro about my third pick. <laughs> and but he's not a forward, man. He's a he's a guard. But he was it's playing like, he was playing it, there, you know. I mean I don't know, man. He was playing there. It's and like, and, and it, nobody it's the same and, if if you consider Luka Doncic as a forward in the NBA, although he does only things that guard does. So I mean they're yeah, of but, course. But different. then we can then we then we would have a five where you should go, okay, so who is the primary ball handler? Who is the floor spacing forward? Who is the uh, rim protector? I mean if if I had this chance to put Musa as a small forward had, in my lineup, had. I would save like it's at a, least two hours today. You had, <laughs> man. That's but that's I'm happy. Cheating. I'm happy that you know all Euroleague first team. Okay, uh, yeah. are kind of similar because uh, you know I I don't think I can add anything about Janan Musa. By the way, that was mm. an amazing uh, monologue about him. And uh, we have Sasha Vazenkov, obviously yeah. at the fourth. Both, yeah. we, no, nothing to be added there. So, so since you have Musa, I have a different forward. Yeah, and I. I have to who, be honest. Who is again? Uh, I mean, did you put there Will Clyburn? No, but just because they didn't make the playoffs. Okay. I think that counts. That's that's very important. If if they were just eighth seed, I would put him mm. uh, right away uh, because he his season was dominant. I mean, Will Clyburn was off the charts player. I mean incredible season efficiency his numbers he was in the most categories he was like top three player uh, and the thing with forwards is a bit tricky and I actually puts Nikola Mirotic and I'm not feeling very confident about this pick because he missed a Ten large games. chunk of the regular season 10 first games of the regular season although I still try to let's say I didn't even consider Facundo Campasso, even Keenan Evans, because they just they just didn't play enough games uh, to be in this conversation. Uh, I mean, we need to respect uh, longevity of these players. Wait, so, or, so you were saying that Janan Musa is not a three, but you put Vizenkov and Mirotic in the same five? They're forwards. I told okay. you, it's not like okay. position by position. Yeah, but, okay. 
But that's, you know, that's where we, you know, get the game equal. I mean, okay, okay. they're not okay. playing in the same if five you want, unless, you're you having, unless you're not having unless you're not having a center. So. But I mean, guards, forwards, centers. I mean, it's it, they're not saying that you, uh, you must... Could, you could go, free, pick, you can go three guards and two forwards or two guards and three forwards. And Nobody in your does case, that. In your Nobody case, you're, in your case, you're doing that, actually. So, okay. But uh, so I, I really considered of not including Mirotic to my first team. I thought ab uh, about his consideration for the second team, maybe. I have him in, in the second team. Uh, but the thing is that during that stretch, he still was really, really good. I mean, almost 16 points per game, eighth best result in the EuroLeague. 4.7 rebounds, 17.2 efficiency score, sixth best in the EuroLeague. His team, they were uh, they finished second in the regular season. He was super efficient, six, almost 61% of two-point shooting, almost 40% of uh, three-point shooting. And uh, yeah, he was a bit more efficient than the previous season, but what he did during his 24 minutes per game was, was just, you know, he was just being a top player of for, for one of the top uh, teams in the EuroLeague, so... He was basically doing what he was doing before. There is no, there is nothing new. We yeah. are already uh, used to seeing yeah. everything Mirotic does. And uh, actually, you know, a bit for, and for the first few games, I was a bit, maybe he looks a little bit worse than I would have expected him to see in the fir in those first games. But after okay. that, he, I mean, he was it, it was simply a serious yeah. injury. Yeah, yeah a serious injury. Yeah, I know that. I know Being that. Like six or no, even more, eight months out. I mean, that's that's huge. And to come back straight to the regular season in this wild, wild uh, regular season, that was tough. So that, that, that's what I'm saying. You know, in the first games, he he struggled, but he finished with the numbers and with his form. That you know, you don't have questions that there is any consequence, any consequences of this injury. So. Uh, to me, and yeah, and just to add, I mean, let's not forget the fact that he came back to the team, which really significantly changed. He didn't have Nick Kalaitis. Uh He was giving kudos to Kalaitis for his last year's MVP award. I mean, you could see that from Jonathan Motley. Man, and, I mean, the passing that he gets. From exactly, him. exactly, and. Uh, now he had to adjust to a new point guard, Tomasz Satransky. He, ha he has Jan Vesely next to him. And when you look at the stats, his efficiency dropped, but uh, scoring average dropped only by one point. So considering the fact that Nick Kalaitis is out, I mean, that's that's still uh, impressive. Yeah, and to me, he was uh, power forward uh, of the second team. And uh, we probably should move on to the center. Yeah. To see... If we had the same pick. Okay, so one, two, three. Matthias Lazor. Okay. Now we're I good. mean, it's incredible how uh, he managed to flourish in, in, in such a big role. I mean, 30 minutes per game is a lot in the EuroLeague for a center. 69% uh, from the field. He averaged 12 points, 7.3 uh, 7 rebounds. Uh, with three and three rebounds uh, on the offensive side of the court, uh, number one in the league in second chances, he was just possessed by the energy of the Stark Arena. And uh, to me, he is the best feel-good story of this season in the EuroLeague. I mean, there was. Well, Filip Petrushev has different feelings on your remark, but yeah, you can continue. 
Come on, just, just <laughs> why are you ruining ruining my monologues about this guy? <laughs> I mean, we have to be fair about the guy. <laughs> well, you Not can, everybody you can, has you can such make a, those remarks. Great what, feelings, what, like you Mr. Petrushev. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so ah, loved uh, both guys. Actually. Yeah, uh, you know we uh, we all know finishing on the pick and rolls. Uh, one of the fastest uh, rim rollers in the league, uh, the best of, uh, offensive rebounder by the stats. Um, his energy his passion for the game, but what I like the most is his decision-making. Um, definitely his decision on the short rolls, definitely his decisions against the weak side defenses uh, when he's already close to the rim. I think he improved a lot under Želko Bradovic in, in, this, in this area. And uh, it was a question to me, you know, it, it wasn't a question to me why Maccabi let him go last season, because they already had Ante Zizic and, and Jalen Reynolds. But his per minute production last year was incredible and he you know showed that he can play at this highest level in in uh, in a playoff team and be the starting center so to me he definitely deserves uh the first team selection because also walter Tavares, in my eyes had a little bit uh not as good as he season he was having before and because i put him over Tavares because i think that opposing teams can plan their offense how to attack Tavares. He is a crazy rim protector, I know that, much better than Lesor. But, you know, Lesor is much more versatile on defense. And uh, Tavares, you know, you could target him. And that's what usually the opposing teams do because he is just so tall and not the fastest of the center. So I, get, I give Lesor the nod for the first team. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, and you made a great uh, intro as well. And so just to add a couple of things about Matthias Lazard greatness, uh, I checked his screen assists on Instat and he's obvious uh, leader of this category with 207 screen assists. The second, Eddie Tavares, has 133. So it's the difference of 74 wow. screen assists and points off screen assists. Partizan scored 482. The second, Eddie Tavares. No, sorry, my bad. Mr. Mike Kotzer from Basconia, 293. <laughs> Running those taggers. Yeah, for Marcus Howard. <laughs> uh, so the difference is almost 200 points. That's that's. And he averages more points than Tavares. Yeah, yeah, and. You just mentioned this thing. I mean, he was the third center behind Ante Zizic and Jalen Reynolds. I mean, like they, basically, they signed him because Ante Zizic got hurt yeah. for two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when Zizic came back, it, they it didn't wasn't like him. Lazard, you know, was a great fit in that uh, center's uh, rotation. Obviously, you have Ante Zizic and you have Jalen Reynolds, who is coming they're back to Maccabi after a fantastic season in. in and they're so similar to Matthias Lazard. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean. When you think about it right now, it's like it was how many? 16, 17 months ago, 18, one year mm -hmm. and a half. How much can change during one year and a half in EuroLeague? Where is Ante Zizic right now? He is out of the playoffs. And it's hard to say that he was really, really, really best center on that team, right? At on this, FS team. I, I would say a disappointing season for Ante Zizic. Yeah. Jalen that, Reynolds? That's that. Who knows where he is? In, somewhere in Russia doing something. Nobody knows. He's not on the map right now. And now Not we have Matthias Lazor just dominating the Euroleague as a center and the, being the best center in the Euroleague. It's it's crazy. It's just crazy 
Wow. Yeah. Fantastic season by him. Yeah. So, so we agree but for four selections from the first five. Lorenzo Brown, Janan Musa, Sasha Vizenkov, Nikola Mirotic, and Matthias Lazort. Uh, the second. Uh, you, you start first with the po- your, your point guard. You mm. had so much trouble with this that Man. I want to hear your answer for the point guard. But be, be, be a bit quicker because we have too many awards, I think, no, for I need this. To put some or, drama. or a two hour some, and a half show. I need to put some drama just to, you know, <laughs> just try to take something from this two hour waste of time trying to select those choices. And my it's friend not, just putting Musa as a forward. But okay, whatever, whatever. Let it be. You're putting be. Sasha Vezenko for Nikola Mirotic at the three. Come on, Donatus. No. Not at the three, at forwards. That's the main yeah, difference, so, at forwards. So, but anyway, yeah. How we many can minutes can did... Can we continue, no, no, can no, we no. continue no, no. this Let's, podcast? Look, look, look. Donatus, Donatus. How many minutes did Janan Musa play as a forward? He did, right? Uh, at the position three. I'll, I'll check. He did, he did. There he played the three. There are some stats. He played the three. It doesn't matter. How many minutes Sasha Vizenkov and Nikola Mirotic played at the free position? Because one of them Why is playing. Why you even consider position free if there is no this no position free in this because you consideration? Have a, because you have a center, you have a and four. And have forwards. Yeah. So who's so playing at the free? Both, both how many forwards. minutes? How many minutes did Mirotic play? the lineup oh to play the God. game. We're just choosing the best of guards, oh forwards, and centers. Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. You're you cheated more than I did, but oh, it's okay. okay. Okay, now we're <laughs> making this uh, biggest cheater award ceremony in the race. Anyway, um, so to point me, guard. This this decision was pretty hard because you also have to consider. I, I think that making the playoffs is super important. Uh, just I tried to rank all those guys. I, I recently said how close this race was in terms of scoring or points they create through scoring and assisting. Then I tried to include in this my own ranking the team achievements, if the team made the playoffs, if they overachieved. And race was so close that probably the, the other morning, the following morning, I would choose maybe a different player. But uh, I thought that it would be most fair to include, uh, I already mentioned Kevin Punter. I have him as mm-hmm. my guard on yeah. the second team. And as the ever guard, I see Wade Baldwin making the second EuroLeague team. Uh, he was the, arguably, I would say he was uh, in the conversation of being the MVP of the second part of the EuroLeague Definitely. regular season, uh, carrying his team, which had to play few games without Lorenzo Brown. The team that, Although they increased their budget, I think that they overachieved not just my, in my personal ranking, but in in many people's ranking because they even clinched the fifth seed, which which is huge. Again, with twelve new players, with the new head coach staff, and with all those questions and question marks um, behind his the way he is uh, recognized in the Euroleague, right? Uh, we will probably discuss about it later during our award ceremony because there are some particular awards uh, f- f- for this. Uh, but he he proved many adopters wrong. He was super solid. Uh, yeah, I will just give his numbers. You might add his uh, averages, but... 16.7, three and a half assists, uh, three and a half rebounds, five assists, one steal, two and a, uh, two and a half turnovers. Yeah, uh, and 50% from two points, 
30% from three-point range, 87 on free throws. And as I mentioned, Lorenzo Brown tops the list of points created from scoring and assisting. And Wade it, is number three, I think, right? Wade is number three, but Campazzo is second. And Campazzo okay, so played only nine games. Nine so games. that's a huge difference. So basically, Wade Baldwin is second. And I had in, in a very close race with Mike James, but I, I thought that it would be fair to consider the fact that Mike James was suspended. Uh, I think it doesn't help uh, and it has an impact. Mm. And I also think that, you know, since they were so close, I checked the efficiency, uh, their shooting percentages. And although Mike James was also very high on the list uh, among the players who uh, who creates the most points, uh, who create the most points through scoring and assisting, he's actually fifth on the list. Uh, but still, he was just a little bit worse free throw shooting uh, shooter. For example, Wade Baldwin made 87% uh, of free throws. Mike James, 78 uh, three-pointers. Mike was 28.7. Wade was uh, 30.5. Two-pointers, Wade is 50. And Mike James, 46.5. So in this close race, where their scoring averages, they're also very close. Wade, 16.7. And Mike, 16.3. I decided to go with Wade Bowen. I have him as well in the second team. Uh, to me, it was even a close race, you know, to have both Maccabi guys in the, in the first team. You know, I just wanted to give some respect to Monaco players because at the same time, it's really hard to stand out in a, a team which has Elio Cobo already, Jordan Lloyd on the same backcourt. So even to produce those numbers that Mike James was producing, it's it's really hard. Just like what I said about Janan Musa, basically it's 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 the same. But you know, it's not um, underestimating or downplaying on one player. It's about mm. the great things that Wade Baldwin achieved uh, this season. And to me, what pushed uh, Baldwin and another guard uh, in the second team was uh, Mike James, you know, his percentages and his uh, net rating. Uh, mm -hmm. His net rating when he was in a court, Monaco was actually worse okay. than without him and minus 11 points per 100%. 100 possessions. That's, that's so, uh, you know, and, you know, we saw that without him, they were doing just fine. We talked on the pod that, you know, without James, they're not a better playoff team or a Final Four team than with him. So that's obvious, you know. But just, you know, Mike did not have as great of a season as he could have, you know, to, to his standards. to, uh, to his mm -hmm. and, his, and his standards are super high. So, uh, and Wade Baldwin was exceptional. Second part of the season, amazing. So I have him and I have the other guy, uh, Darius Thompson. Okay. Do you have him as well, or or no. you value playoff playoff? <sighs> no, because I just considered Wade Bolvin. I, I mean, I have Wade Bolvin and Kevin Panther on my second team. They both mm. made the playoffs. Okay, uh, their teams overachieved, and they were super. One of them was yeah. super efficient, another was uh, also just great. So, I, I put Baldwin as my you know shooting guard, just like he played in Maccabi, and the the, the second best point guard. Oh, or this season mm -hmm. to me was was Darius Thompson. Yeah. I mean, he did not make the playoffs, but Musconia was always there, always in the top eight. Uh, unfortunately, that last game they had to play against Olympia Cost, against the best team away. So uh, he was in his first season of the EuroLeague. He was carrying Basconia. The whole offense went through him. Uh, even with Perry Henry out, they were still competitive. 
uh, even you know kind of having a short rotation of the guards and other guards playing uh, you know more, much more minutes than they were doing before, um, but simply phenomenal. Just his poise, his calmness, his patience in the pick and rolls, his vision, and I mean that offense was so fun to watch, mainly because of him and Marcus Howard, uh, and obviously that the whole system. So I think he deserves a, a second team selection in his first season of the Euroleague. I know there is Mike James, Vasilya Mitic, and others, but to me, his season and they had good seasons, but Mitic. Uh, FS did not qualify for the playoffs. Mike James, I just mentioned, you know, his you know advanced numbers. Darius Thompson, phenomenal season. I think he deserves it to be in yeah. the second team. Yeah. Uh I'm already mentioned that for my one of my forwards, I have Will Clyburn. Yeah. Uh he was dominant, 16.6 points per game, third best in the year league, 18.6 points uh, efficient of efficiency rating, six uh, third best in the year league as well. Five Point seven rebounds per game, eighth best, two point two assists. Uh, he was also uh, he surprised me with his shooting efficiency beyond the arc. He, later in the 36, season, later in the season, his uh, numbers decreased. Yeah, he finished as almost thirty seven percent three point shooter, which is still his best in five years, I think, mm. six years. Uh, but. During a long stretch of the season, he was over 40%. And basically being uh, over two meters, uh, the way he's launching the shot, sometimes he made his uh, shots just unguardable. Uh, and he was playing big minutes. Uh, he was uh, carrying huge loads. And we can remember that he was coming off very serious injury two years ago. And now he's playing all 34 games on 32 minutes per game. I'm kind of believe that it should be the all year league high uh, this year. So I mean, that guy tried to do and did everything in his power to help to push FS to the playoffs. And at the same time, since you know, I believe that in the backcourt competition for this all year league team case was very close. I think that among the forwards, there are um, I agree. fewer names. It was much easier. Yeah, mm. yeah, fewer names. So too big of a gap. I would yeah, say. Exactly. So I just decided that I cannot exclude Will Clyburn from this list. I have him as well. Um, what I can add, you know, unsuccessful season, you know, I was thinking whether to include Gabby Deck. My other forward is Nikola Meritich oh, at, okay. the, at the four. So at the three, I was thinking about ga including Gabby Deck. But uh, Will Clyburn, amazing season. His net rating when he was on the court, it was actually plus eight in a team that was losing, uh, that course. lost more games. This is also a very tricky number because it also says that your backup is doing bad things, you know, and maybe there are some problems he, with he, bench he, players. You know, but he was playing, uh, you know, almost all, you know, games Yeah, when he entered the game. But yeah, yeah. I'm not so, just like arguing your... So I thought it would be too harsh because mm -hmm. of the statistical gap, and you know, yeah. you know, because of the advanced stats to 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 punish Gab, uh, to punish Clyburn and put Gabby Deck in the in the second team. So Clyburn and, and Miritich are my forward, are my forwards. And who do you have? So actually, next to Will Clyburn, I have Gabriel Deck. Uh, I mean, it was obvious. You know, you you either go there was like after Gabby Deck, you can't really have another another name in there. Yeah, because. Deck is just a wonderful player. 
we made a lot of jokes during our last EuroLeague watch party <laughs> uh, because he's the mm, he's the player who shows least emotions in the EuroLeague with one of the most awkward uh, shooting arcs. Shooting arcs, yeah. yeah. One of the lowest shooting arc in the EuroLeague. I mean, his free throws are just going straight in right <laughs> like this. Yeah. With the uh, shortest incline, uh, probably, uh, toward the basket. But the thing is that he's so good at so many different uh, departments because he can score. Uh, I will just give you stats soon. Because he can score, uh, he can punish you through scoring and basically using those mismatch situations at the same time he could he can shoot uh, threes uh, which he did not that efficiently this season for, uh, 32% three-point shooter but still he can make shots and he has this tendency of making he can miss four shots beyond the arc but then he can make the five, uh, fifth one which is super important in the fourth quarter he made twos on 62%. Uh, he's one of the strongest, the most physical number three players, I would say, uh, in the EuroLeague. He's averaging 5.3 rebounds, 14 best in the EuroLeague. Two assists, 15.4 efficiency uh, rating, which is 15th best in the EuroLeague. I mean, he can, he can score, he can rebound, he can also pass the ball really well. He always finds ways to be efficient, and he also can play defense at a very high level. So he's all-around guy, one of those rare all-around guys that we have in the EuroLeague. I'm interested to see, do we, do we have the same center? Do you have Eddie Tavares? No, you like Fenerbahce too much. That's the thing. I'm ready to take all the hate from Fenerbahce fans because at my... Oh. At my photo finish of this race, I was all about between Eddie Tavares and Johnson Motley. But I decided that efficiency-wise, they're very close to each other. Uh, they maybe not at Punter and Musa level, but I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm lying. Jonathan oh, Motley, 16.42. Eddie Tavares, 16.26. So 0 0.16. But I thought that Eddie Tavares just makes the bigger impact defensively than Jonathan Motley offensively. Although Motley that's a, also that's, has, a, that's the right comparison. Probably he to also make. has tools uh, to be a very good uh, defender, but at the same time, he's not at a consistently high level uh, there yet. And I thought that... Uh, Although you mentioned that it's not like it was the best, the most consistent and efficient year of uh, Eddie Tavares. Uh, that's that's still amazingly still good enough. <laughs> yeah. 10.3 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, third best in the EuroLeague, 1.6 assists, and 16.3 efficiency rating. And also... Uh, two blocks. Two blocks, 2.2 blocks per game. And... I have a funny stat about... And, and, and probably, that that's not a stat, but uh, probably 25 shots impacted. <laughs> because, you know, I love to see every time when somebody gets uh, into the paint against Real Madrid and they either don't shoot or they put uh, such a high arc on the floater or, or a layup that that it even, lo it even looks funny, you know. This, so. this year, this is the fun st stat, this year, Eddie Tavares blocked 76 point, uh, bl uh, shots in, in, in the whole EuroLeague season. The second place, I think it was Yorgos Popeyanis. 
59. So we're talking about the difference of wow. 37 block shots. That's the 76 is the record of this new round robin era, mm -hmm. uh, which started in 2016 17 season. The previous best was 61, also by Eddie Tavares. And it was 19. What was also interesting, it was during that COVID year. So he was at very high rate to, to make the record. But I mean, it's already impressive. 76 blocks. Uh, he also, Eddie Tavares has the best plus uh, minus uh, rating on the third best EuroLeague team. Uh, when he is on the court, Madrid's rebounding, um, defensive rebounding improves by 7.1%. Uh, uh, offensive uh, rebounding by 3.8%. Uh, uh, Real Madrid allows the EuroLeague, let's say, best defensively, just 49.7% uh, two-point shots uh, and limits their opponents to the 17th worst two-point two field goal attempts. So that's definitely the factor that uh, Eddie Tavares makes. All EuroLeague team finished? Yeah. I think so. We have... Uh Eight, no, seven, uh, eight, same guys, actually, from 10. Yeah. No, okay. even nine, I think. The only guy you don't have in both teams is Darius Thompson. That's true, that's true. We just mixed okay. some positions. Okay. Uh, let's go to the coach of the year. Coach of the year. Who do you have? <laughs> Another quite obvious uh, award, I would say. Who do you have? Uh, one, two, three. Yorgos Oh my gosh. I actually talked myself into this today. I mean, I know why. Because Jalgiris so was the last team in the EuroLeague last year. They were horrible. Uh, when he joined the team, they actually failed to make the LKL finals. He has like seven or eight new players. They're one of their bottom three team in the EuroLeague budget-wise. Uh, I'm, I'm just guessing about your selection, mm. you know. They really- But you are still not convinced. They really <laughs> limited uh, offensively, offensively. talent-wise. They lost the potential MVP conversation candidate in the middle of the season. So they had to change the player and also kind of a bit change the direction they were uh, going to, to find new go-to guys. Uh, to attend games. He left teams like Milan, FS, Virtus with budgets of over 30 million euros uh, behind. He actually won against coaches, uh, won at least one game against coaches like Sharuna Sesikavicius, um, Ettore Messina, Sergio Scariolo, Andrea Trinchieri, uh, Dimitri Sutudis. Jelko Pradovic, no, they didn't win against the Partizan. But still, no. they won a lot of games against teams like Monaco, Real Madrid, I think, Barca, Olympiacos. Yeah, both no. at home. Yeah, I mean, and Maccabi. So four of top so five you, teams. So you could you could see why I, I picked Kazis Maxvides. Easily. But so are you taking him as well? No, look, because... Look, let me convince you why I took not him, him but not Jorgos Barzokas. Okay. Okay. So Olympiacos won 24 games, right? Right. Last season they won 19. Okay. But in 28 games. 19 and 9 taken in 34 games account is 23 wins. So Olympiacos improved by one game this season. Is this enough 
to say that he is the co head coach of the year. I they were they were number two last year in the regular season. Now they are number one. Yes, the Euroleague is more competitive this season more than ever. And the, the <laughs> so best. that's the argument. But but, but you know, but you know, for me, for me, taking the last place team to the playoffs where everyone predicted them 15th or 16th in the place before the season, having your leader going down to a season-ending injury in the middle of the season. And definitely, you know, you can't compare uh, Isaiah Taylor and Akila Polonara to the level of, of um, Keenan Evans. To me, taking a bottom team to the top eight is much more impressive than making Olympiacos the most consistent team and the best team in this regular season. I mean, they won the regular season by one win. They improved by one win. Amazing season. You know, take I don't take anything, you know, from Yorgos Borzokas. He's the, the the second best candidate. And this race, I think, is is really close, even, you know, in my head. But uh, Jalgiris had great chemistry. Everybody was playing at their best level. I think that's a huge, uh, you know, a pro, pro, you know, huge for Kazis Maxquides. Great adjustments during games. Uh, the, the game plans of uh, of him and the whole coaching staff were amazing each game. And if somebody was wrong, they were quick to make adjustments. You know, against Maccabi, terrible first half defensively. They go back after halftime, they switch defense, they win the game. Against Monaco, great game plan. I remember one of the other games against, I think, uh, Sergio Scariolo, Virtus, or, or another team. Uh, also, his, basically, tactic decided that game for Schalgeris. And I don't know. To me, you know... I mean, I see your point completely. I don't know if Olympiacos fans will understand. They won't. They are going to say, because I'm saying this because, uh, you know, I'm Lithuanian, so I'm saying this. But... Uh, you could, you know, I think some neutral uh, people could see because wh why I'm taking Mosquitis. Just, I value more taking a, the worst team to the playoffs yeah. than taking a already great team to being the best team. I mean, that's that's it, it, that was a hard choice to make, but I just thought, you know... Of course, no, I believe that... Uh, 89% of Olympiacos fans already shut the podcast down uh, <laughs> on their TV screens or on their mobile phones. Uh, Th this would be a nice discussion to have, you know, with them but, as I mean, well. And it's impossible to find uh, one right uh, side and, and what wrong side because both completely deserve this award. And in this uh, race, I mean, I was the first to go with Kazidis for a potential coach of the year uh, award with all the arguments actually that you made because I completely agree with that. I just thought that we cannot take the greatness for granted. Uh, I mean, even one win, improving your team record by one win in the regular season, giving the conditions that this is already statistically proved that this is the historically competitive EuroLeague season. We have so much talent uh, on this EuroLeague, so so many great teams, and actually why it's, it's also proved with having back-to-back -back champs out of the playoffs, with having Milan at the 12th seed, with having Red Star with Campasso at the eight, uh, 10th position, Virtus Bologna, one of the top budgets in the EuroLeague, 14th. I mean, you cannot take it for granted I've, in, in my eyes. Also, Olympiagos, they're the most complete team 
uh, with the best offensive rating and the second best defense or vice versa. But I mean, they're the most complete uh, team, uh, that's for sure. And Jorgos uh, Barzogas in those years, uh, he created the culture. Uh, and this year, this team, without major changes, they established this culture that made them really dominant team in this competitive EuroLeague. I mean, they swept both of their closest competitors in the regular season, Barca and Real Madrid. It's it's huge. And we're talking about the team. I mean, I mean that, let's say, payroll-wise, if I remember well, the difference between Olympiacos, Barca and Madrid is, is should be close to 5 million euros. So basically, we're talking about the difference of, let's say, Vasily Misic and, I don't know, Will Kleiber. For me, that's a huge uh, difference. And uh, I also had some other arguments about uh, Olympiakos' uh, case. Um, I mean, you are not wrong, but yeah. you, you, it, it sounds more to me like you are valuing Bartzokas for what he did, not this season only. No, this season, because, I mean, you, I mean, you, you were, you I were saying. That, I think that there's also this recency bias thing, because we got used to see Olympiakos on the top for the basically the entire second uh, part of the regular season. Before the season, we appreciated what Olympiakos did last year, but if we would rewatch those podcasts, I don't see them in the top four consideration. I don't think that we, we had, had them at, at fifth place. I think. At the best, yeah, fifth or sixth. Uh, I think that, uh, I, if I remember well, you were arguably uh, high on Monaco and I b even believe that you might put them higher or maybe it was Ritas. I mean, I just remember that we were uh, saying all together, they didn't do enough uh, to reach that elite level. Now we're talking about the same team, which is the already the greatest, the most complete in this uh, regular season. And by far, there's no no competition uh, level-wise, the results-wise. Okay, there's a difference only of one victory, but I mean, we're talking about different levels. I think that's huge. And, you know, I also completely understand your choice because it's a Cinderella story to take the bottom team to the uh, playoffs. But at the same time, to, to, to stand out, it's also super hard, but at the same time to to be in close to the lead and to reach that top, 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 top level without any miracles, no coincidence. I mean, you can explain why this Olympiakos is the best team in the EuroLeague. With Jalgeris, you can agree with me because watching them sometimes you feel like, I just really don't understand how they got there. I mean, because we already had those questions. Maybe, about because, the maybe because, you know. Roster, about the talent and stuff, about the game style. There were a lot of, you know, luck behind this uh, journey as well. So, but I mean, we're trying to justify our picks, trying to a bit downplay the other coach, let's say, which is not fair because we have to appreciate both. Uh, and mm. they, I, I really believe that it's like, it, it's very close to be 50-50 conversation. And it just depends on your arguments and yeah. which side you, cho you choose, so. So let's see in the comments. Yeah. I know that I'm going to win because there are a lot of Olympiakos fans, unless they really uh, shut the screen. I hope some Lithuanians <laughs> yeah. are uh, going to write. Uh, but I, I see that we have a headline, so the title for the podcast, so that's that's good. Let's go with the magic moment of the year. Which one? Mm, GM of the year, if you don't mind. Okay, magic moment of the year. It, would, it could be quick, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's easy. The first Belgrade derby and Nedovic okay. hitting the game winner. Uh -huh. I mean, 
the atmosphere was insane. It was mm -hmm. something like looking at those uh, football derbies in Europe taking place. Uh, you know, just the game itself had some special aura around it. And uh, the ending was perfect. You know, Kevin Punter with those missed shots and Nemanja Nedovic with the three from the corner with the celebration that I think was ideal mm. for that environment. I mean, he just looked at partisans, at partisan fans and enjoyed, you know, the mimics on their faces. And why and to he me was even, he was not even attacked by fans. Exactly. No, I mean everyone was thrown stunned. on the court. That's also a magic moment of the season. <sighs> Come on, Donatus, <laughs> every time about this. And uh yeah, so so and and then after this, you know, you had a, a consequence also, you know, Zvezda fans making the jersey of uh you know all the fans having you know the hands on their on their on their heads because of th this was their reaction. So to me. This was the magic moment of the season. And I mean, just there wasn't a more perfect way to end the first uh, Belgrade derby in the EuroLeague. You took uh, me on a good path. I actually, for a magic moment of the season, I had Mike James free and one play against Real Madrid. Because hey, welcome to our bonus podcast. Uh, sponsored it's sponsored by, by Mike, Mike James. James. Yeah. <laughs> this part is sponsored by Mike James. Because, I mean, <laughs> when was the last time you saw the guy i don't know that was game. a bad play by walter tavares i don't care yes he he did the mistake i mean yes it doesn't say that it wasn't a good play uh about uh, it wasn't a good play of eddie tavares but how incredible it was to make a three-pointer with a foul over eddie tavares and just i mean in the, any random uh, situation how many seconds like Two, one second uh, was left uh, to play or something. Close close to it. Can't remember exactly. Uh, I mean, you're down by four. What are the odds of winning that game or tying tying or sending this game to overtime? I Close mean, to none, really. 0.0000000001, probably. So Mike James managed to to make take that shot, to make that shot, to get a foul and to tie the game and send it to overtime. So for me, there's a lot of basketball magic but at the same time you took me on a good path because for me i really understood that the magic moment of the of the year of the whole season that was consistently continuing dushko ivanovich managing to change his suit for this hoodie before uh, between leaving the sidelines the shortest amount of and time. then getting to the mix zone for the EuroLeague tv uh, interview even after winning games which means that you have to be there straight away i mean that's just it's it's a like one minute thing, probably one or a couple minutes thing. So mm. that's there's a lot of magic uh, behind <laughs> it that, for me. In that as well. Yeah. Okay. So that was your moment. <laughs> yeah, that was my moment. And the next uh, we have which executive is the next of the year. award. Executive yeah, of the year. Go with, go with your pick. Uh, so this is pretty. I would say executive of the year award is pretty mm, open award because uh, I remember when. Paulus Matunas got this award two times in a row. I think he was just the first executive in the EuroLeague history to win it uh, twice in a row. Mm. Uh, I also think that behind this award, there's not only sports results, but also the way organization is growing and the leap that Jalgris did after paying this huge debt uh, of 11 million euros, I think. 
the way they managed to reduce and uh, finally eliminate it, uh, it was incredible. And then this golden age of Sharunas Esikavich's era has started. And then Paulus Matunas kind of, you know, used that opportunity to make Jalgiri Arena as a consistent sold out uh, gym in the EuroLeague with the highest attendant, attendance. So I believe that there are a lot of things behind this award, but at the same time for this season, I just, I mostly wanted since it, it was super competitive EuroLeague season, I really wanted to give a credit uh, to the GM, which I think did the best job as the uh, basketball specialist who tries to improve his team in a not very comfortable and privileged situation. Uh, I'm not saying that it's easy to build a winning team when you're the GM or sports director of... Uh, FS, Milan, Barca, uh, Real Madrid with a huge budget. But it's it's a bit different to work in an environment of uh, middle uh, table uh, teams with way more limited financial resources. And I think that Basconia GM Alfredo uh, Salazar had the most difficult conditions to build a team which almost made the playoffs this season they had a winning record and it's so rare to miss the playoffs having the winning record. I think that uh, somebody did this tweet uh, where it was said that I think that Basconia was only the fourth EuroLeague team in the history to miss the playoffs with the positive winning record, something close to it. So, But what I wanted to appreciate the most is signings that uh, Salazar made. He brought, I mean... You, you put Darius Thompson, the yearly rookie, to your second uh, all-yearly team. Uh, he was His ability to lead the team was even questioned last year before he started his season with Lokomo team. I mean, they had the, their EuroCup championship aspirations, and I think that Darius Thompson, next to Eric McCollum, he was the starting floor general, and they had doubts about him. So in one year, he switched to the EuroLeague to the highest level, and he became a floor general, true floor general of the team, which almost made the playoffs. Then Salazar brings another EuroLeague rookie, Marcus Howard. Yes, amazing scorer, but we saw cases where scorers doesn't translate into consistent consistent scorers in the highest level of the EuroLeague. Marcus Howard, he was a he had a roller coaster season, but still he added a lot of value to the team. And there's also Mark, Mike Kotzer. I just mentioned his this unexpected stat of um, points scored after his screens. He's second best in the EuroLeague. And he's also, also very efficient for this Basconia team. He's also a rookie. And in Basconia, three of the top four top scorers were rookies. And then behind this project, you have a rookie coach, Juan Penaroya. So for me to find those talents with the limited resources and uh, I think that Salazar, I mean, what was what's exceptional about this is that he found those new names in the tournament, which is already getting a bit squeezed by by some old names, some some you know established names, and it's really hard to find some some new faces. So he managed to do it in a very difficult environment. So that's that's an amazing job for me. I have the same name, Basconia GM as well, and you said it best. I mean, he continues to find talent you know hidden gems i would say this way bring them to europe and make them shine so uh they basconia are continue to continuing to do the, the the great job season and season over and over and again and without having the most uh, the most money to do so so i think uh, this 
needs rec more recognition actually than it gets in the EuroLeague. And uh, actually, you know, I'm happy Zagreb made the playoffs, but with the way this team was constructed, with the way they were playing under John, coach John Pen John Peneroya, um, I would have liked them a lot to to be to be in the playoff in in the playoffs actually. Yeah. Yeah, they fully deserve this position. Although uh, I recently fi find out that there are many Basconia fans on Twitter, and there are a lot of uh, we received a lot of hate for some takes about Jarigis and Basconia. I think there was something last week that Basconia fans really got angry at me, and of course they joined this bandwagon of, oh, when you're going to talk about Lorenzakis, or oh, why you're underrating this and that. Although we did this. The entire first part of the regular season, we we gave you know mm. enough credit for for those uh, mentions, but it's it's natural that some of the guys just jump into this pod at the end of the season and they don't know the history of the wall of fame that we have on this pod. And Basconia was for sure there the entire uh, first part of the season, and they for sure deserve to make the playoffs. Uh, the next award is the best defender. That's that's this one is actually really obvious to me Thomas Walkup Thomas Walkup we have talked uh, so many on this pod about Thomas Walkup uh, you know why him over the usual EuroLeague Defender of the Year Walter Tavares as I said before uh, you can game plan against uh, Walter Tavares you can find weaknesses in him you cannot game plan against Thomas Walkup like he is going to be next to your best player and he is going to stay there full court uh, pressure uh physicality he is tall enough to stand against uh, even much taller players uh, in the post uh, he's the heart and soul of of that olympia cause defense and there is you know the best uh proof of that is that he got a four-year contract extension at olympia cause so uh, fantastic season by Thomas Walkup, and defensively to me, he's the number one guy in the yearly. I mean, I love Tom. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's a great defender, great floor general, great uh, player to have in the locker room. And I also have this uh, for this selection. But I, ha I have a conspiracy theory. How he can be a best defender in the yearly? Because, you know, I tried to find a statistical background and argument behind this selection. And it's really hard to find that one because it's not also just about uh, on and off the court stats per 100 possessions uh, or defensive rating, which is also mm -hmm. very much related to the team's effort. And with Olympiacos, I mean, they're the top defensive team in the EuroLeague. So it's, it's really... Of course, having woke up on the team really is a big reason why you're the top defensive team in the EuroLeague. But I mean, I tried to find the exclude the individual stats that would prove this. And, you know, I kind of got the eye test says that woke up is the best. But some numbers got me confused because I opened the list of the top scorers uh, of the EuroLeague. And let's say, I have Wade Bolvin and I have his stats against uh, Olympiacos. 18 points per game, almost 18 efficiency rating. Have Dwayne Bacon, Bacon and his stats against uh, Olympiacos, 22 points per game. I have Lorenzo Brown and his stats against uh, Olympiacos, 16 points per game, 
20 efficiency rating. I have Mike James and his stats against Olympiacos. Uh, and I have 19.5 points per game. I have Vasily Misic and his stats against Olympiacos. And I have, okay, 14, but 19 efficiency rating. I mean, you see where I'm coming. Of course... Num you, normal numbers for these guys. That's... In, in most cases, these were above average numbers, even by their, their well, standards. Lorenzo Brown, you said 16 points, he averaged 16 points. Wayne Baldwin, you said 18 points, he but, averages 16.5. But the efficiency was, was a bit higher, like Lorenzo Brown. I mean... Uh, if, you're playing, course, if you're playing aggressive defense, it's easier to get assists. That would be my the most easiest explanation, which you know ups the efficiency rating. But I mean, it's also game. or you can draw fouls because of Walkup's aggressive defense. But you don't shoot free throws, but you get an additional point of the foul drawn, which is bullshit. And that's why player index rating is it's, not it's good. It's easy but, way to look at it, but at the same time, they're always and casually aggressive, penetrating uh, into the pain yeah. and then, you know, kicking out the ball. I mean, I'm not saying that it proves that uh, Thomas Walkup is not the best defender or he has anything to do with those stats. Uh, because at the same time, it's not like I did a deep research on the shooting percentages, because even if you score the same 17 points per game that you average, maybe it was on a way down uh, mm. numbers uh, shooting wise, but I mean, I expected a little bit different numbers to feel more confident about the selection. But at the same time, I couldn't find anybody that close. I mean, Eddie Tavares, yeah, he deserved that credit, but you mentioned that, you know, uh, in some situations, uh, you can adjust your offense and you cannot adjust Eddie Tavares and then it, it might become a mismatch. So uh, if we were speaking about the best defensive player, there shouldn't be a mismatch situation, I think. Uh, and it was just really hard to find any any competitor close to Thomas Walkup to say that he's not the best defender in my eyes. Maybe Kyle Hines, you know, he had this award uh, years before, but Milan just failed badly this year, so that's a different conversation. But I mean, I was a bit confused when I, I when I found out those numbers. Does it I say don't... anything? No. Probably you not. have you have this. Is it something? Is it nothing? Or is it everything? For me, that's nothing. I don't okay. think for you, me it's something, but I don't think you need stats to, you know, evaluate Thomas Walkup greatness defensively. You know, I think this is one of those rare cases where you don't really need mm -hmm. the stats because you know individual defensive ratings are still influenced also by the lineups you have out there of as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't really need you know, anything much more than the eye test here. Okay. I mean, he just gets under your skin every freaking game. That's and, true. And, and, you know, makes it uncomfortable for the guys to get those 16 points. And then it's, mm. and, you know, he's only one guy. There's other four guys on the team. So you can, yeah, you, you know, they can still Their get numbers. When, you can yeah. still get numbers when he's on the bench, you know, for those 13 or 14 minutes. Um, when he is on the court, I don't want him to guard my best player if I'm the coach. Yeah, just 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 to end this statistical conspiracy theory. Uh with Thomas Walkup on the court, uh their defense improved by two point two points per hundred possess possessions. So 
their defense is still is already great Olympia cost yeah. so and his defensive rating is one 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 hundred and three so yeah. it's it's hard to really make a huge impact yeah. to already second, to be a better than to, a greatness already in yeah, place you know that's why their defense is that great because walk up is there so yeah. uh you know yeah that's why the numbers you know without him it's not that much difference yeah. uh i just try to make it more spicy you know uh, not to make it I so see, boring i see i see i see barsokas vezenkov Volka, just let's call it Olymp- olympiakos awards you know i mean you Come. want you wanted to do that <laughs> but uh and and then we, we really wanted and then to I went with call Mas- this pod Olympiacos Awards and just to give awards to other players, best bench player of the EuroLeague. I mean, Costa Slukas, but let's just give award to somebody else. Yeah. But we cannot, I mean, it's not like Olympiacos winning the EuroLeague three years in a row. They didn't even win the EuroLeague. So yeah. we have to appreciate the current greatness that we have. Um, did, that, did I spoil my uh, best sixth player of the year award? We don't need to even talk about this. I mean, it's Costas Lucas. Yes. Starting every game from the bench, so... Starting every game from the bench. Sounds like an interesting, you know, board. On the bench, play. let's say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which one do we want to go next? Uh, because we are quite a... We don't have a lot of time and uh, we still have a lot of awards. Oh my God, we're like one hour, 20... But, I mean... It takes time to appreciate the greatness, to talk those <laughs> bests. Uh, it, it takes some time. Uh, I actually lost the track of the awards that I have. So Rising Star. We can go really short. I think Gabriele Procida has the most upside from the young guys. And uh, he definitely did not have the best season out of you know all available candidates. But I pick him because I think he has the most upside from the current EuroLeague uh, young players. But I consider this award more about the current rising star performing right now. That's too boring. You have like five guys or six guys that are uh Yeah, but there is not, for the there's no Victor Vembanyama, you know, in this mix or anybody else who could be dominating. And I was really so ba- back and forth between Yokobaitis and Yamadar. I didn't like neither of them this year, to be honest. So so that that's what that I'm saying. This that's award what I'm saying. Weird. You're not this is not th- this is not the NBA and this award to me could even be uh you know eliminated. Yeah, because there are no young players playing in EuroLeague. If you are in the EuroLeague and you want to be good, you have to have at least like 24, 25 years old or you have to be the next Luka Doncic or the next Victor Wembanyama because I'm not seeing guys that are having a huge impact mm. under that age. So to me this this award is not even necessary to give out, to be honest, actually by the EuroLeague. Yeah. Anyways, I went, I I mean, there was this short list of the rising star candidates. Um, none of these players averaged more than six points or actually none of them made a huge difference in their teams. But I basically went to Yamadar just because I don't think Jokobaitis was that solid as he was last year. I didn't see as many games as last year where he where I could see oh Jokobaitis made a really positive impact in this game and last year there were like at least few games there were many games where he impacted the outcome of the game this year I missed that feeling watching Jokobaitis play 
Yamadar, I mean, I'm one of the biggest critics of Yamadar, uh, his, his decision-making uh, offensively, defensively as well. But I just saw him making a difference with his hustle in, in, in some of the games uh, this year, with his on-ball defense and with his, uh, some of his uh, shots that he made. So, I mean, it was not an easy choice because, as I said, I didn't like any of these uh, players for a confident winner of this award. Uh, but I went just went with Yamadar. Okay. Uh, we went through all the traditional awards. Now mm -hmm. we will try to make it a little bit more entertaining. Uh, Rookie of the Year. I mean, I have Darius Thompson in my second five. Uh, yeah, so that's and I don't quite have obvious. Jonathan Motley. Yeah. So what's interesting that they were both teammates last season and you could have predicted that motley will be really good in the year league which he was we said that uh jonathan motley could probably be in the all year league second team and he was and super I, close and I, in our list i wouldn't uh. be surprised if he is in the uh. all year league second team in the official oh, uh voting okay. so yeah uh, that's going to be interesting but i still have i think darius thompson uh is my rookie of the year me too just because you know he was a guard and nowadays basketball is dominated by guards and, and everything was on Thompson's shoulders. And uh, even though Motley had a great season, you know, his uh, Thompson's impact was much more important towards Basconia's yeah. results. And, then, and and they actually ended up um, as a, as Fenerbahce was eighth seed and Darius Thompson was ninth seed. And yeah. the one week, only one victory separated them. Yeah. Uh, so I also go with uh, Darius Thompson. I just had this. Oh, okay, I don't have that stat, but anyway, no points uh, created from scoring and assisting. So Darius Thompson on top this list is fourth, to be more particular. But can, you can count Campazzo out. So I mean, excluding Campazzo, oh, okay. he's okay. already four. Sorry, but I four. mean, that's an elite elite list and very mm. small gap between the top. Um. Six men of the year, we have Costas Lucas. Lucas. Uh, also, at the same time, it's not very fair award because Lucas is also finishing games, but so as many as other we, Euro players, said, like Will Clyburn, the large chunk of the season, some other guys, it's really hard. It's not like in, in, in NBA where you have clear bench players and, and starting fives, uh, and you don't usually have these weird unorthodox rotations where you have your best players coming in from the bench in every game. So this, it's a tricky situation with the six-man award when you have Costas Lucas every time coming from the bench. Yeah, and the most improved player of the year. You have to give this one to Matthias Lesor. I mean, yeah, that's these, these two were the most obvious ones. I was also thinking about maybe Dante Exum. I have him because, on the as well. But you know, both of these two guys, what Partizan did, they took these two guys from limited roles, they saw their potential, they saw they saw their per minute numbers, which were amazing, and they put them in much bigger roles. But I and, see a and, difference. And both of those guys, you know, played great in, in bigger roles, maintained their uh, consistency, maintained their high shooting percentages. Um, so, But for me, the most improved player is also the one who kind of changed his role or improved his role as well as status. And 
You mean Lazor? I'm not questioning Matias Lazor uh, and him winning this award, uh, but at the same time, I don't see many things that Lazor did differently when before he was known for all those things that he's showing now. He's just dominating at those skills. I just see a small difference with Dante Exum because he was the an off-ball player in Barca. He was basically a small forward standing on the corner and scoring through corner trees or transitions, uh, transition situations. There he supposed to become a main point guard of Jelko Bradovic, which is a tough thing uh, to do for, for any player, given the basketball knowledge that he has and the requi requirements that he has for his second hand, basically, on the court. And Partizan, they are the best defensive uh, offensive team in the EuroLeague, according to B-Politics and their offensive rating. And, I mean, Exum is having a great season with 13.3 points per game, 17th best in the EuroLeague. 2.8 assists, 14.8 efficiency rating, 18 best in the EuroLeague. I wouldn't say that it's like he's not Darius Thompson type of guy and he's not in that situation because Partizan's offense is not that uh, um, related uh, and impacted by one guy like it is in Basconia, for instance. It's more about the team effort, the offense system that Jelko Bradovic builds, it's more about uh, moving the ball and it's not like it's all on Dante Exum's shoulders, but at the same time to play this key role in Jelko's team and a team which uh, overachieves and now becomes a huge threat for anybody in the EuroLeague playoffs, that's that's huge. But but yeah, we have Matthias Lazard in this situation, so nothing can be done. <laughs> uh, sorry, Dante. Uh, most valuable... American or non-Vezenkov EuroLeague player? Lorenzo Brown. Yeah, if it would be American player, yeah, I would go with Lorenzo Brown. It's really close, as we said before, uh, picking our all EuroLeague teams, but I still think we should uh, nominate Lorenzo Brown for this category. I probably would have, I had a hard time picking this, uh, but what he did with Maccabi and his stats and his impact for the team, Make make him my MVP if Sasha Vizenkov wasn't in somehow was on the Knicks roster was on the Kings roster okay. this season. <laughs> do you know? And do you have any insight that you no, mentioned that, that, the Knicks? That's that's usually okay. that's usually what because you do. Because maybe what you we have do. breaking news <laughs> in the on the pod now. Okay. No. Do you agree with this? So even if Lazor is in the conversation, you go with Lorenzo Brown. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. With the same logic, why I picked uh, Darius Thompson over or over Jonathan Motley. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I have the same choice, and mm. we already said enough good things about Lorenzo Brown. So. Definitely. But I mean, that's the award that Euroleague should think of. I mean, to 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 recognize American talent that we have in the Euroleague, and to given the fact that there was only one American MVP that we had in the entire modern Euroleague history, mm. it's unfair. If we would calculate their <laughs> points, their impact in the Euro League, I mean, they would be on the top of the list. So, I mean, I know that Europeans in the Euro League, they're, uh, you know, against Americans. They try to push European guys on the top, you know, to downplay mm -hmm. them and to still show that it's the Europeans League. But I mean, we have to think something uh, about them. Uh, the biggest, I didn't see that coming award. Panathinaikos uh, struggling? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Why you need to bring that in this conversation? Uh, Why it's so funny, you know, to make jokes jokes about those who failed? 
I'm kidding. And about Patnaik, we were like kicking this, their this asses was, this all was, this year was, long. This was a low blow, I know. No, it was a good joke. Uh, I still have to go with Olympias on their performance. I know their season mm. was heavily impacted by injuries, but for that team to look that bad, how they looked offensively in the first part of the season, uh, plus to sign Timothy Lubabu Cabarro when you need a guard, then be late with signing Shabazz Napier, Shabazz Napier. All these things combined make me, you know, I did not see that coming. Mm -hmm. You could have predicted the injuries maybe because there were some, somehow there are many injuries in Olympia in the last, all three seasons, I think. This one and mm -hmm. the last two. Yeah. But you could not see coming that a team with still without Siobhan Shields and with, without Kevin Pangos would suck offensively so bad. And you know, either were no adjustments made or the adjustments were late. I'm talking about the players. So all of this makes me say that I did not see uh, this Olympia team struggling so bad uh, the most. Mm -hmm. Because you could say Bosconi and Jalgiri's performances in a good way. Yeah, that's what I say. But, you know, looking at my power rankings before the season, I had Basconia maybe 12, 13. So mm -hmm. that's like plus four positions. I had Jalgiri's ah, okay. 15th, so that's plus seven. But I had Milano and Efes at two and three spot in my power rankings. So that's minus 10, I think, spots and minus nine for Efes. Milan had the biggest drop and you could kind of predict FS because they might, they can struggle, they can be maybe bad in the regular season, they can finish six and seven, but yeah, obviously you were thinking about them in the playoffs, but Milan not even making them and being the worst offense mm -hmm. the, the whole season, I did not see that coming. Yeah, that's an interesting angle you, you, you chose and especially with counting those places that teams ra have risen or dropped. That's that's a good and fair angle, I would say. Because I took Jalgiris because of all the reasons that you mentioned behind coach of the year case for mm. uh, for Kazis Maxvitis. Uh, uh, so I don't have anything to add, actually. I, I didn't see that coming. I was repeating all year long that I don't see Jalgiris making the playoffs, although they were already in this top eight uh, mix. So for me, that was the most positive. I didn't see that coming thing because I had Milan case for the biggest fail of the season, to be honest. Mm. Because I mean, it's easy to 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 name FS, but at the same time, they were already struggling in the regular season the last two years. And even when they signed Clyburn, I had I thought that they might have some issues the way they, they're gonna share the ball, uh, how they will find the chemistry on and off the court. And although they found the chemistry off the court, the, probably the biggest problem was that Larkin was injured uh, for the first part of the season. When he came back, the uh, role adjustment was different than you would have it before the season in the training camp. And also then, you know, just the same thing happened that happened the last few years. And in this case, they just didn't make the playoffs and they didn't win it all. So mm. at least the, these potential struggles, I could predict that, as, as you mentioned as well. I had Milan as my... Mm, regular season winners. I had them as a final four lock <laughs> and I was really confident about that. And yes, injuries played a big, big, probably the, the largest role in this. But at the same time, 
when you see Jargidis losing the MVP of the season, uh, potential MVP candidate of the regular season, uh, and they still make the playoffs in a, such a limited situation, I didn't see why Milan uh, couldn't uh, mm. do the same with the resources and with the talent they have in the court, which is way, way bigger than Jargidis. So I consider them as the biggest bust of the year. And you? I have actually, I thought about players in the biggest bust of the year. Mm. I was thinking, you know, players of players that had kind of disappointing seasons that had much higher expectations. Mm -hmm. If Lundberg, Isaac Bonga, uh, Isaiah Cannon. Okay. But these players, you know, maybe if Lundberg was supposed to be the, the, the had the biggest role out of yeah. these three. And expectations. Yeah, uh, biggest expectations that I mentioned. So, but I still went with Dwayne Bacon. Mm. To me, you know, a borderline NBA player that Dwayne Bacon is with mm -hmm. that talent. Everyone or majority of the people were expecting him to push mm -hmm. Panathinaikos for at least, you know, contend for the playoffs. Instead, we got a lot of empty stats, terrible shooting percentages for a forward, 44 from the two, 29 from three, you know, not the greatest of the shooting selections. 2.5 assists and 1.7 turnovers. That doesn't make a great, you know, assist to turnover ratio, even though he wasn't never known for the for passing. But, you know, if you don't get if you don't get efficient scoring, then maybe you expect uh, something else. And the body language was never there to me. And I think it kind of pushed Panathinaiko season to end, Euroleague season to end much, uh, you know, sooner than they could actually uh, do in this uh, mm. in this in this Euroleague season. So, because of his expectations were highest from the players of this list, L uh, Lundberg, Bonga, and Cannon, I, I still think you know he's the biggest bust of the year. Okay, that's that's I didn't expect that. Just choice. a disappointing disappointing season. Mm. Uh, our personal apology apology award. I'll go with uh, Odette Katash. Ah, okay. And you know we could we could. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We could apologize for him for, for him, the entire Maccabi for team. For the entire Maccabi team, yeah. but because that's you know, what I have the entire Maccabi the entire team. Entire Maccabi team. Yeah, starting from so, the people who built that team. Although we praised them a lot for the moves they made, the actually the last move that we criticized them them the most we were saying we were saying to be the best one and there's some previous yeah. that we were praising them for for example darren hillard austin hollins didn't have their best seasons so it was a nice turnaround of the situation true but i, I still remember like they make their whatever 10 or 9 signings yeah. and we were like saying this is going to be a great team mm. because you have leader you have so yeah we should apologize apologize only to wade bolvin then and odette katash i think yeah that's true yeah because you know you did not expect Maccabi to be such a great team. He made uh, that team click. He embraced the Alcurcio, the culture. He made them run. And you know, what's funny, they're running cra like crazy in, in their offense, but they're like third or fourth in the league in turnovers. That's not, you know, uh, that's kind of paradox. You know, you're making fast decisions. You are running, your speed is high, but you're not making turnovers. So he has this, put this great trust in these two guys. He believed that these two can coexist and play together and understood that Lorenzo Brown is more of an on-ball pick and roll player and 
Wade Baldwin is more of an ISO guy and you need to create advantage for Baldwin to excel. So, and they're playing fun offense in half court as well. I mean, they spin Jalgiris gets heads in the one of the last games of the season in the first half. So uh, my apology goes to the yeah, entire Maccabi team, but especially to yeah. Odette Katash and Wade Baldwin. Yeah. From my side, it's it's more about Wade Bolvin and all the questions. Uh, I think fair questions. It's not like just we discussing on the podcast that, hey, this move might ruin all the thing, or hey, we have all those questions about Wade Bolvin. No. 90% of the EuroLeague uh, execs, <laughs> players, and coaches. Has, 90% you mean the, the other 10% questions. were Maccabi guys. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. So it's not like we created all of this stuff and created this narrative. Uh, I think, like you know. But that's what sports is all about. Proving doubters wrong yeah. and proving people wrong, and there's nothing bad about it because we're just talking about basketball, giving our opinions, predictions, and it's not like we're those guys who know everything that True. we are always right, and it's not bad to be wrong with our takes. We we can be we can be 100% on our takes, yeah. and you know even if if Euroleague would issue a personal apology or Euroleague all Euroleague people, all Euroleague community, all fans, I think the number one apology would be Maccabi this season. So they are doing right that right now, appreciating appreciating Maccabi's greatness and with their qualification to the playoffs. And who knows, maybe they're, we are going to see them in the final four. Let's go with our last uh, last selections. Who do we have next with Zenkov? Next with Zenkov awards. And best emotional leader left? He most in the wrong place and the wrong time player and emotional leader. So three last three okay. awards. I think actually next Vizenkov, you know, will be the same selection. Janan Musa. Mm. You know, I, I know that mm-hmm. Musa is already uh we have him in the first team. Just like what Vizenkov did last season. Just year. like mm-hmm. Vizenkov did last season. And uh, that's and you know we already talked about him a lot. I expect him to make even a bigger leap next year. He can completely take over a Real Madrid team just like Vizenkov did this season. You know, last year we were putting Slukas and Vizenkov on the same level. This year it's close that, you know, yes, Lucas is still the main point guard, but Vizenkov is, you know, the greatest player on that team. And I think the same could happen with Janan Musa. And one stat that I loved about Janan Musa is that if you take uh, per 40 minutes scoring in the EuroLeague, Marcus Howard is the first and Janan Musa is close second. That's why you asked me this. That, that, that's why I see the number one thing, but yeah. I went with the number two guy. And, you know, he's, if Madrid's depth wasn't so huge, you know, I think Musa would be maybe a, a runner for the MVP race this year, this year, the biggest the stat that I love the most about Musa is that he's 23 years old. That's that's a wonderful stat for 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 this guy, uh, and lots of rooms to improve. Still yeah. 23, so I think he is the next you know big European European thing mm. in in the Euroleague. That's a good point, and you know kudos for Madrid for finally finding this next backcourt uh, leader for the team after you started to to decline. After Rudy Fernandez switched to becoming more of a role player, Chacho Rodriguez, they're all, you know, uh stepping out uh, of the place. So that's that's a big finding for for Madrid. Uh the next award that we have, the most in the wrong place at the wrong time player, Facundo Campasso award. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think there is no question. I mean, with him, they are plus on the, uh, his net rating is plus 16. So Zvezda is 16 points better with him on the court. They won a lot of games with him. They went on to this winning streak in the end with him playing. He looked incredible. The team, you know, looked entirely different with him as well in that roster. And to 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 be able to play nine games who barely even mattered. I mean, with nine games left, we were I mean, it mattered. They were really sure. close and they fell short against teams like uh, Alba, you know. They dropped some games that were important and even uh, Kampasa was part of the team. At the same time, you cannot yeah, ask from the team and from the player to win all games when he's joining no. them only in, in March. So, so basically the la they they lost those those games that mattered when, just when he uh, entered yeah. or just yeah. before just he before. he entered yeah. so his nine games basically did not even matter and to spend 2 million euros on a player that will basically make an impact just in abalik is the the most wrong in in, in the place and at the time so Kampazzo gets this uh, award this this unlucky award to, to me and Mr. Unlucky. And Mr. Emotional. Uh, Edgar Solanovas. I thought that you are going to say Gabriel Deck. <laughs> the huh? most emotional guy on yeah. the... Yeah. No, I think season could have gone either way for Shalgiris. Mm. I mean, it's for these um, teams that lack offensive talent. It's really important to uh, have some successful runs at the start of the season. Because without the confidence they get from those wins, the season could go really bad. And yes, it was Keenan Evans mostly, but Edgar Ross hit those step backs. He took the captain role, really embraced it from Polus Jankunas. And you just saw a determined Edgar Ross version from the start of the year. And to me, uh, without his, uh, you know, captaincy, without his leadership, I don't think Jalgiris goes that far this year. I have a question regarding Edgar Solanovas. He's under contract with Jalgiris for one more year. From what I hear, they're work Jalgiris, they're working for an extension with Volanovas to extend the deal even to maybe one or two more years. I mean, on the top of the current contract. At the same time, he has a pretty um, fair, favorable condition to opt out of his deal for the next season and to switch teams. If you're on Volanovas, He's having a career season in the EuroLeague. What do you do? You're staying in Konas or trying to, for the one last time, to to prove himself at the elite, elite level of the EuroLeague? You know, the, the the money part is really a big question here. It's not like Jalgir is paying him, will pay him millions, you know, so. But what what does he get I mean, in, in the EuroLeague market this, this season? Do, the, do other teams value him as much as Jalgiris and see him as important as Jalgiris do? Importance-wise, no chance that anybody else can, can match Jalgiris. Money-wise, on the, most of these teams... What's the difference between the best offer Jalgiris can him offer and what he can expect in the free market? If that's like 200... Well, this is like 500,000 player for Jalgiris. And even extending this deal, he should remain at the same uh, range because... He might extend it for like three or four more years. So it's okay. like the Just total... having a guarantee of a longer yeah. contract. Yeah. And I would say that teams like Maccabi, 
uh, Fenerbahce. Okay, he was in Fenerbahce. But I mean, FS, Milan, uh, Virtus, Real Madrid, Barca, Olympiacos. For them, 500 is like for the eighth, ninth guy on the roster. So they can afford him. I don't. I I I would stay. I believe. Uh, you know, you are the main player. Here. You are the starting player here. You are one of the guys of the core of the team. You are the captain. Uh, your role probably would not be the same on a different Euroleague team. He's a unique player in a way, the way he plays. So he needs to have the perfect fit, the perfect environment for him to excel. So my answer would probably be I would stay and extend with Jalgiris. Olympiacos, they already have Kostas Papanikolaou. Barcelona, Nikola Kalinic. Real Madrid, Gabriel Deck. Madrid's depth is unmatchable. Uh, Monaco, Maccabi. Monaco have three guards. Jordan Lloyd playing at the three. Alfa Diallo, Jerome Blossom game. Yeah, Maccabi. Bonzi Carlson. Carlson is really good. Uh, Fenerbahce is close with Dyson Pierre yeah, and, and Nigel Hayes Davis. So, FS Will Clyburn is there. Yeah, and they're not Elijah gonna Bryant. play four for you know. No, they're not gonna move them to the fourth position. Uh, Milan, uh, Milan. I'm not sure if it's worth. You know, mm. he is to me. He seems really confident and and. And I think yeah, this is the, the perfect situation. place for him, you know, to enjoy the whole process, to enjoy his role, uh, status, and just being mm. here in Kaunas. I, to me, he seems to be feel happy uh, playing at home. Yeah. So why not to finish it here? And just the oh, so this was the last award, and for the most emotional uh, player of the year, I just couldn't find any match for Matias Lazort because he's the only one guy who can play at the same night on the same night. Basically, he can play. Uh, 40 minutes after the game he jumps into the stands and sings songs with ultras and then he finishes his nights uh, participating in the random wedding as a best man I mean you cannot f- find a better match living his best life you know I made a video about him you know if you haven't seen it go go check it out how to dominate in Europe on and off in court I mean uh, some stuff he does is is you know I envy that that, that this year that he is living yeah, Augusto Shulauskas made a lot of great videos on Basket News uh, YouTube channel. If you're not subscribers and stats, analytics show that half of our listeners, at least half of our listeners are not our subscribers, which is shameful. You can just subscribe our channel. You can also like uh, our video to help us uh, to grow. And yeah, this, this was the regular season award podcast. Uh, we will have a, uh, a different and uh, other uh, playoff matchups uh, podcast this week already. So a lot of stuff before the playoff starts. And yeah, thank you, Augustus, for participating in this uh, very prideful, proudful ceremony. I'm not going to say, <laughs> not going to say anything. Just, just like this. Thanks okay. for having me for this and listening to me for almost two hours. <laughs>